This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 28. I'm P.F. Wilson, content director for Cincy Shirts and our sibling site, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, sports talk show host Lance McAllister. One night, as a 13 or 14-year-old, I had a knockdown, drag-out argument with Trumpy about Wayne Krenchicki, and the Reds had traded for Buddy Bell from the Texas Rangers at the time, and he replaced Wayne Krenchicki, and Wayne was hitting 300 that year. He was having a career year. And I was just incensed that they had taken Wayne Krenchicki out of the lineup for Buddy Bell, who was hitting a buck 80, and I called Trumpy one night, and finally Trumpy hung up on me. Lance only talks about that call to Trumpy, but also how he started his sports talk career and what he really wanted to do uh, with sports and radio. Talks about how coaches uh, and players and, and, and the like sometimes get a little mad at him and how he deals with that. He also tells us about the time his heart stopped for 60 seconds, literally, not figuratively because of a game or anything, literally stopped for 60 seconds. He tells us all about that. And, uh, oh, also, be sure to stay tuned on the other side of the interview for a special announcement about how you can see us do the show live. And let me see, also, listen for the promo code at the end of the episode so you can save 20% on your next Cincy Shirts or Old School Shirts order. All right, so uh, Lance is an old friend of Josh's and known each other for a long time, and uh, this was a great chat. Uh, we had with Lance McAllister, so let's get to it. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. She came down Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Hey everybody, welcome to the uh, Cincy Shirts podcast. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, as always, we like for you to subscribe. Uh, you can find us in iTunes and Stitcher and Tune in, Spotify. Spotify, Google Play, really in real, and we're probably getting picked up by other podcasting. He'll come into the store. We'll just play it on a speaker. Exactly, you can yeah. listen to it live. I don't yeah. know. Give it to you on a thumb drive. Any, any way we can get it in your hands, <laughs> exactly. we will. But please subscribe. And if you do subscribe, especially in iTunes, um, anywhere you can leave a review, we always appreciate yep. a kind review. Um, our guest today is a friend and uh, a friend of the company, a friend of mine. I'm, I am honored that he uh, takes some time out of his ridiculously busy schedule to spend it with us. Uh, he is easily uh, the voice of, of sports talk radio in this city, along with uh, another mutual friend and former guest of the show, Mo Egger. He is Lance McAllister. And I would tell you when you can listen to him, but it seems to change every day. So uh, his blog is the uh, blog by which all others are measured. So I encourage you to check that out as a, as a local sports fan. At uh, ESPN1530.com. That's it. Keyword Lance. Lance McAllister's here. You know, that that intro lessens the angst I felt coming in because initially the lights were very hot. There was one light shining down on me and it had a 60 minutes feel to it and I was starting to sweat. And now I'm much more comfortable, so let's do this. Where were you on the night? Um, thank you for being here, man. I, thanks for the invite. Yeah. I don't uh, do many of these, so I don't know what to expect. I'm still very uncomfortable. I know. It's, it's funny. We had uh, we had Frank Marzullo in here, and he almost right out of the gate turned into the interviewer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was really funny because it, it was yeah. weird for him to not be the one yes. asking questions and yeah. presenting topics. Sloaney turned the table on us, too, about halfway through. Started asking about shirts. No doubt about that. Yep. Uh, I'm used to being able to hang up on so I can't even <laughs> hang up on you. So. Yeah. Josh, thanks for the call. And then you just <laughs> got to go. Man. Got to check news. It's time for news. Gotta go. I'll hang up and listen to your reply. <laughs> We're at a hard break. Um, so, so much to talk about with you. Um, I'm fascinated by uh, by what you do. You know, being friends with Mo first, and then really, I think it was kind of twofold. Our company getting involved with Mo and Greg, 
in in the sh- infancy of their show when they were doing a morning show. They were the first place we ever advertised. And then um, and also just getting to and I say this with respect, getting to an age where I switched from listening to music in the car to listening to sure. to, to the talk radio, to what I care about and, and primarily sports. And um, so learning more about it and and learning more about the art of it you know there there was an opportunity that i hope is not available anywhere where uh, mo couldn't do a show and he asked me to fill in for him one day and i spent <laughs> i spent uh, i did a show i did his show in the morning one time and it was terrifying for me you know for someone who speaks professionally like to not and maybe it's just a, a narcissistic comedian of like needing that immediate feedback and or at least being able to look at people's faces and know what they're feeling about what I'm saying I cannot imagine having to do that every day uh, of my life so how how did you get into it let's start there I mean are you you're not a Cincinnati guy born and raised you're at Carmel Indiana no I'm uh, let me go back before Carmel because okay. I grew up in Anderson Township oh, my, wow. my claim to fame yeah. I lived on Den Ellen for the shout out Den Ellen uh, my claim to fame as a kid, I hit wiffle balls in my backyard into Marty Brenneman's backyard. No kidding. And would have to run into his yard quickly and get him out of his yard. Um, yeah, that way. In fact, one day, this is 1976. This is after the season. I'm 10 years old. They'd won back to back championships. And the Reds had released a Reds Greatest Hits record album for that season, their greatest highlights of radio calls. I had the album and I walked over to Marty's house, went to the front door, knock, 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 and he opens. And here I am, little 10 year old Lance. And I said, Mr. Brenneman, and I'm shaking. And I said, can I have your autograph? And he flipped it over and on the back, it's a black and white picture of Marty and Joe and he signed it to Lance, best wishes. I still have that in my office today. That's so today. cool. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. Were you obsessed with the broadcasting side at that point or just in the sports period it, he it, was it, a face for it? It was both. I wanted to I, I wanted to play. I wanted to play with Pete. When I was growing up, I said, man, I hope Pete hangs on long enough. I want to play with Pete Rose because I ran to first because of Pete. I slid head first because of Pete. And my dad managed me from sixth grade all the way up until high school when, as the story goes, my high school coach at Carmel High School, he cut me. I was a left-handed shortstop. Yeah. I know, it never made any sense. Too. It never Nobody made ever any let sense. me play anywhere in the infield. And I'll never forget, he looked at me and said, if you're not going to play, have you thought about broadcasting? And my high school, Carmel High School, had a student-run radio station, WHJE, and I started on the staff there as a sophomore, and I was calling their baseball, football, and basketball games. I was a disc jockey. I was doing news. And I knew at that point, this is 1984, I knew at that point I was going to do this for a career. And now... Um, However many years, 34 years later, I guess That's I'm still so doing it. so great, man. I'm living but, the dream. Well, you've I mean, got I, the voice. You have the voice. Did you always have the voice? Or yeah. is that something you developed when you knew you wanted to make a yeah, career in know, it? I don't know. I, it, just, it just happened. I, I'll be standing in line. I'll be out at the grocery <laughs> store or something, and I'll say something, and I'll have people in line say, hey, you're – and." I was at the bank today, and the teller said, "You're Lance." It doesn't. I don't know. It's been my voice for forty-two my name years is on the or fifty-two years. Thing. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's been what I've had all my life, but it's it it works. So it does work, man. It really does work. Um, now you know, I, and I must add this because you mentioned my, my name. Can I tell you the story about? My sure, name, because sure. I, I live a double life. I was wondering. McAllister is was, not my name. I was wondering if that was a stage name. My uh, my birth name, my legal name is Ghost, Lance Ghost, G-O-S-E. Okay. And when I got to South Bend, my first job in TV was a sports anchor, WSBT TV in South Bend. I'll never forget my news director, as he was hiring me, he said, I don't like ghosts. He said, people see it on the screen. They, they won't know how to pronounce it. He says, come up with something different. And it was not uncommon, certainly more so back in the day, you had a professional name. And I went through, true story, I went through the sporting news, page by page, <laughs> looking at athletes' names, writing down athletes. And McAllister was Bobby McAllister, the quarterback at Michigan State in 1988, that same year. And I handed in the sheet of different names, and he looked at it, looked at me, and he looked at it, and he said, McAllister, you're in South Bend, Irish-sounding name, you're Lance McAllister. Even though it was a Michigan. Yes, Michigan State quarterback, yeah. Now, does he know this? Do you ever meet? He, you know, that's funny you say he does not. I should probably, I should get him on the show someday totally, and say, yeah. you're the reason. Namesake. 
And then I, I went on to other jobs. I was in South Bend for four years, and I went to Chicago. And I'll never forget my boss there saying, I don't know why they had you change your name. You can go buy whatever you want. But I'd been McAllister for four years in my business, in my professional years, and yeah. people knew me as McAllister. So it's not like I was going to be able to send out resumes or make contact and say, by the way, I'm no longer. I'm th-. And so it just, I've been McAllister on air and ghosts in my double secret life off air. So you have uh, you have children, do they? Oh, uh, like I made the mistake this week of uh, sending something to Peyton. And I labeled it Peyton McAllister. It'll, do it'll they get there. do they assume? Mm-hmm. Do her do their friends assume, or do they not? A lot of them don't know. Okay. In, in fact, funny story. About a month or so ago, try to figure out how the teacher learned. But the teacher had learned, and she told the class one day in Peyton's class. She said, "Class, by the way, <laughs> Peyton Ghost is Peyton McAllister. She's Lance's, and, and the whole class like what? <laughs> Who? What? And so." Casey always tells the story. Some know, some don't. Um, we were fortunate a couple of weeks ago, Shannon Russell of The Athletic did a Father's Day feature on Casey and I. So a lot of Casey's friends heard about that story coming out. And, and they kind of finally piece it together and like, no way. That's hilarious. All those years he was driving us to baseball practice and you didn't tell us that your dad was. I'm like, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. Don't sell yourself short. Well, I'm a short. I'm 5'8". I am short. So <laughs> 5'8", left-handed second baseman. I don't know how you didn't make it. I don't either. What's wrong with them? Going to help Carmel High School's baseball team. So you went to Carmel, then uh, Butler University? Yep. Was that a proximity decision, or were they known for broadcasting? Known for broadcasting. It was a half hour away. I uh, I initially did not get in. I got rejected. Uh, and my radio teachers at Carmel High School went to bat for me. And as, as I understand and remember the story, they they told Butler's people, you got to get him into your program. You you don't understand. You you'll <laughs> you'll you'll understand when he's in. He'll he'll justify your decision. He won't embarrass you. And I always use that as the motivation of, I really shouldn't be here. They kind of let me in here on a pass. And and as long as I didn't screw it up and and prove my high school teachers right, I'd make it worth their while. And um, hopefully I made it worth their while. I'm sure. I mean... Were you hoping to broadcast games? Was that that what you really wanted to do? Or did sports talk... I wanted to do play-by-play. The whole that's uh, from high school doing the baseball, football, basketball at Butler. I did basketball and, and football. I wanted to be. I wanted Marty. I, wa- I wanted to be in the booth with Marty. Yeah, that was my passion. I loved painting the picture uh, of a baseball game on the radio. It, it. I loved the challenge of that. But I got into TV first with my first job and was just an anchor. Um, but I, I learned early on I had to make myself as valuable as I could be the way the business was so I could do play-by-play, I could I could anchor, I could report, I could do a newscast, I could do a sportscast, I could play records. Um, and that's the biggest lesson I learned early in the business, just to make myself as valuable as I could. And, and I adjusted along the way. And I honestly, sports talk radio, I grew up listening to Trumpy. Bob Trumpy is the yeah. godfather of sports talk radio. And if not for him, it's not in this town. And every single night at 6 o'clock, it was appointment listening for me, even as a 12, 13, 14-year-old. I had to listen to what Trumpy said. I I would go on vacation and call Trumpy. I I called as a 12-year-old. I remember being in Cape Cod calling Trumpy to argue about the Reds and Trumpy saying, what are you calling from Cape Cod for? And I said, I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation. And I had a, one night as a 13 or 14 year old, I had a knockdown drag out argument with Trumpy about Wayne Krenchicki. Yeah. And the Reds had traded for Buddy Bell from the Texas Rangers at the time. Oh, yeah. and, and he replaced Wayne Krenchicki. And Wayne was hitting 300 that year. He was having a career year. And I swear for the first six months, you could look, the first six weeks, look this up, Buddy Bell hit like a buck 80. And I was just incensed that they had taken <laughs> Wayne Krenchicki out of the lineup for Buddy Bell who was hitting a buck 80. And I called Trumpy one night, and I remember this vividly saying, this is insane. You you got a guy with a career year, and you've taken him out of the lineup, and I love Buddy Bell as a gold glover, but he's not hitting Trump. you got to give this job back to Wayne Krenchicki. And we argued and argued, and, and, and finally Trumpy hung up on me. Wow. Yeah. As a child. As a child. That was very, uh, very emotional for me. An adult have hung you, up on me. Have you so. been able to confront him about that? Yeah. And, and that's the funny thing. We've worked over the years together and did Bengals Friday shows together. And I, I can't tell you <laughs> how many shows. Surreal. It was. I mean, I, I did two or three years of Bengals Friday pep rally shows 
on whatever station it was at the time, ESPN fifteen thirty or thirteen sixty or eleven sixty, one of the one of the stations. Uh, and and every Friday, I'd sit there and I'd look at him like I can't believe I'm doing a Bengal show with this guy who hung up on me when I was fourteen years old. <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. Well, if you could do play-by-play for any sport, what would it be? Baseball? It'd be baseball. I'm so far removed from it now. I've done college basketball for Sports Channel Chicago. I've done... I've done baseball, football, basketball, high school, college. Even in South Bend, our uh, TV station had a radio station, and I did our high school game of the week. I just loved it, but I'm so far removed from it. Um, I just It's kind of like the door has closed on it. So how did you end up back here? Was there a job opening that you took? Were you looking for a job to move back here? I got fired. I, I learned the first <laughs> lesson in, my, in the business. I'd always been told, you're, you haven't really lived in this business till you've been fired. And I was working in Chicago. I had left the TV station I was at after two years to do radio. And I was convinced to do afternoon drive on AM 1000 in Chicago. I replaced a guy named Chet Kopic, a legend in Chicago. And they paired me with Norm Van Leer, the former Cincinnati uh, Royal and, and Chicago Bull. And we did afternoons together for two years on AM 1000 in Chicago. And I'll never forget walking into a room one day. They called a station meeting. All of us were in the room and they said, we want to thank you for what you guys have done with this station for two years. But as of tomorrow, we're playing music and we've been sold. And uh, hand in your key cards at the door and your severance package will be mailed to you. And we were done. Like that next day, station played music and there was no longer sports. And I'll never forget thinking, well, I've now experienced life in this business, and I, and I was done. And it oh, it's the classic cliche, one door closes, another opens. Within, I'm going to say six months, and those were very stressful six months, um, my boss in Chicago on, or in Cincinnati on, 1160, which became 1160 Bob, turn your knob oh, to Bob, yeah. Yeah. he called and said, hey, um, you don't know me. He says, I know you. Uh, we've got the Bengals. We're the ho- new home of the Bengals. I want you to consider coming back to Cincinnati, doing sports talk, and being the Bengals pregame uh, host on the Bengals radio network. And I said, when do you want me to start? And boom, I was back. And it's the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Wow. And serendipitous how they got the Bengals contract. Yes. Because Paul Brown was, or uh, Mike Brown was very upset yes. with your current employer. Yes. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's this oh, story? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are looking to me like I know what you're you, talking about. But uh, you're, that was right after I moved here. So mm-hmm. uh, it was before I worked for Gary. Um, but yeah, I, you probably know the story better than I do. Yeah, it was just, it, 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 you're, you're right. It was hard feelings and emotions and things said and that, that didn't, in their mind, represent the product fairly, damaged the product. The, the relationship was severed. And 1160 Bob, a, a little station in, in northern Kentucky, got the Bengals. And it was, at that time, it became, in some form, it was Lap, uh, Lap and Fish did a show together, the Fish Paul Sturgeon, it was Tim Lewis, the Big Dog, it was me, it was the Sports Princess, uh, Paul Arbogast was the voice of the Bengals, how do you do? And um, I, w- I was doing, I did 10 to 1 at one point, then I did afternoons at one point, and I'll never forget walking in, I, I can't remember what we were called before we changed the name, but they said, starting tomorrow, we are WBOB, Bob. Turn your knob to Bob, and I started laughing. I thought it was a joke, and but they were they were they were being truthful. We were going to go to WBOB. Turn your knob to Bob, and that was uh, that was the state. That was for the next I think two years, and then they were sold, and I kind of like was was grabbed as a free agent part and brought to then Clear Channel or J Core, whatever we were, and <laughs> the, the rest, as they say, is is history. Yeah, this is back when the Bengals were terrible. Oh, brutal. <laughs> That was that stretch. Yeah. So what's that like? Because I had to deal with that in a very small amount. I was approached to do a uh, segment just for the Bengals pregame show, and they wanted me to be funny. Um, and I wasn't allowed to bag on the, t- the team itself. <clears throat> so uh, I was producing these, you know, like two-minute sort of commentary, and I, and I started – bagging on the team that they were playing against well nine ten weeks later the Bengals had not won a game <laughs> no one thought it was fun like no one thought talking about the Bengals was fun you know like yeah. no uh-huh. one was having fun with it because everyone was so upset about how bad it was that I finally was like I think we need to nix this because you know 
nothing I say, even if I make fun of the other team, is going to get a laugh because at this point, people are just mad. Sure, yeah. sure. So, what is that like? You know, for if we're being honest, a couple local teams in annually have yeah. had seasons that you know is the the people who call into sports radio are. Uh, you know, they're sorted from the general fan base of, of being even more hardcore fans. So, I mean, what is that like when it's when people are almost mad at you because you're just talking about it, but that's your job? There's no question. It, it's difficult, especially in, in stretches that the Bengals and Reds have been in recently. Um, you have to get creative. And I, I almost say I have to reshuffle things and, and look at it in a different lens to make it sound like it's something new and different, a, a different way to present the, the the losing that's going on, but from the standpoint, of even the the deeper issue, there there is a relationship and a partnership between station and team, and, and there's a reasonable and fair expectation that. And I, I've always thought as long, and, and this is the rule I've lived by, as long as I don't make it personal, what they're doing on the field is always fair game to me. Um, I don't. I, I think I'm failing at my job if I have to resort to taking a personal shot at pick your person, Mike Brown or Katie Blackburn or Bob Castellini. There are plenty of things between the lines and from a front office trade free agent standpoint that I can zero in on and be fair in criticism. I, I think I step over the line with personal attacks, and I think it's only fair that they swap me back and say, our our kids are off uh, off limits. Um, our our background as a family is off limits. I would want I'd view that same way with me. Say sure. what you want about my show. Don't make it personal about my family and my kids. And that's right. that's going back to Chicago. We we were broadcasting under in a relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf and the Chicago Bulls and the White Sox. And there were times where people on our stations would cross that line and Jerry Reinsdorf would call and our boss would say, knock it off. Yeah. Stop being personal. They're bad. Explain why they're bad, but you don't have to take the shot at Jerry Reinsdorf and his wife or whatever the case may be that's personal. And, <laughs> right. and I've always been cool with that. Fine by me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, I, that's something I always wonder you know, when I listen to you and, and Mo and I hear you be critical of the team and it's fair, but I, but I, in the back of my head, I go, does that make it awkward when they find themselves in the same room? You know, even if you, even if you are being fair and it is sure. about the, the play or the decisions made versus the people who are making the decision, sure. has it been awkward? Does it get awkward? Do people it, make it personal with you where they... They don't think that you should have that sort of leeway. I think, I, I I think having been back in this town for twenty years, I think I've laid. I hope I've laid enough of a foundation of who I am and what I am when I do the show that I've bought myself some understanding that he is being. It's critical, but that's fair. Um, I don't. I I would hope nobody views me as somebody who just flies off the cuff without any research and without any background. And maybe for that reason, I go above and beyond in the preparation and the phone calls I make to have bought myself a little bit of leeway that on that day where somebody is listening in the the upper ranks of an organization, they may say, oh man, he crushed me right there or he crushed us. And then they think, but you know what? I know I've listened to him for 20 years. I know there's a, there's a reason behind what he's saying and he has justification. I may not agree with it, but I understand where he's coming from. That That's my, in my perfect world, that's what those who might be uncomfortable stop and, and consider. I'll give you one example. Bob Huggins and I used to go round and round and a lot of it would be things that Huggins would hear second or third hand. It was like the telephone game. And by the time it got to him, what he heard was, I said this when in reality I said that. Yeah. And I, I would always say, Bob, call me. Call, call If you have a problem, call me and ask me. If you go back to the year uh, Kenyon broke his leg, they were a the, – the, the selection committee, they should they were the number one team in the country. The selection committee made him a two seed because Kenyon wasn't going to be available for the tournament. Right. And I remember Huggins on his, on his radio show that night was whining and complaining, and I can't believe the tournament committee did this, and it's not fair, it's not fair. And I went on the air the next day, and I killed him. I said, Bob, you've got a team to coach. Nothing – you can't change anything about what the committee did. You've got a game on Thursday. Get your team ready for that game and stop complaining about what the committee did. And, and that night he went on his radio show, and, and he said, I didn't 
didn't know the difference between a basketball and a beach ball, and people should boycott my show. And I called him the next morning. I get into the station. I called him. It must have been 8 o'clock. And that phone rings and rings and rings and rings. It was his home. And nobody was answering. And I, got, I started thinking, oh, man, he's asleep. I said, I better hang up because he's going to answer and he's going to be mad. Well, just as I got ready to hang up, he said, hello. I'm like, oh, crap. I said, hugs, it's Lance. And I'll never forget. He said, why are you killing me? And I said, Hugs, I'm not killing you. I said, here's what I said. I said, I think you were, and I went on to explain. Why, and at the end, he was like, all right. And we, it just, once I explained, he got mad at one point because he thought we were, talk radio was bad-mouthing UC's graduation rates. You remember back in the day, the perception was that nobody graduated under Bob Huggins. I used to actually, I put together a packet and would send it out to media outlets around the country who would badmouth UC. I, I'd see a column in the New York papers, UC, which hasn't graduated a player in 10 years under Bob Huggins. And I would send this packet out to the media outlets to show them, here's who's graduated and here's what they studied. So we went round and round one day when he accused me of killing his program. And I said, Bob, are you aware I'm sending out this packet that is defending your program. And he looks at the packet and he says, really? And I said, yes. I said, just ask me the next time you have a problem. I said, I, I don't, I, you may not always agree with me, but I don't think it's as big a problem as you think. And we had, we always call it the wheel. Huggins, you'd spin the wheel and wherever it stopped, you would be the guy who was on Huggins' crap list that day. And I would wind up on the list every now and but then. It, so. I mean, when I think of like sort of polarizing coaches, oh. or pe- like that's one of the ones where yes. I could... That doesn't surprise me no. to hear that, you know. <laughs> but one that I was surprised to hear is, and this is a rumor, um, it's from a pretty reliable source, but I heard Dusty Baker took into account when people would say question his lineups or decisions that he made during the game that he was not shy about calling it up. And I don't know if that ever happened with you. I'm not asking if it did, especially if you're if you don't want to answer it. But I was surprised to learn that because he always seemed like such a laid back cool calm guy but when i hear that about huggins like that yeah. doesn't surprise me i never um i never have a problem with dusty um dusty always thought in his words was kind of a cool cat he was laid back he was different um he wasn't your typical typical major league manager but I'll, I'll put dusty in the category with everybody else they say they don't listen they say mm-hmm. they don't care they listen and they care whether it's personally or whether it's through their their chain of friends whether it's reading the newspaper turning on the radio listening to the podcast I know of people who've had issues with me after going back and listening to the podcast, and that, that's that's fine. It's just, but I, I always get a kick out of when they say, "Well, I, I didn't, I didn't." They'll say this, "I didn't hear it, but I'm told." And I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> so you've done, you've had a partner, and and for as long as I've known you, you've you've run solo mm-hmm. for your show. Do you have a preference? I do. I prefer to do it by myself. Really? Um, Norm Van Leer, who, who um, God rest his soul, passed away a couple of years ago, taught me a lot about life and a lot about this business. I mean, here, I, I'm, I'm in Chicago, and I'm, at the time, I was 23. And I, I'm doing an afternoon drive show. Me, little old me at age 23, Norm, a, at that time, 50-something African-American former professional athlete, we had nothing in common. <laughs> and yet, and I think that's one of the reasons they yeah. put us together. I learned a lot from him. But I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm probably anal this way about it. I like to prepare and know everything that's happening in a show. And I don't like the that wiggle room of whether the person I'm working with knows what I'm going to talk about, is comfortable with what I'm talking about, is prepared to know what I'm talking about. And rather than worry about them, I'd rather just, I'm, I'm one who, I, I want to take care of it myself. I don't want to leave it up to, I don't even, I, I'm selfish, I guess, that way. I don't like sharing, like, well, you work on this and I'll work on that. I just want to do it because I know it's going to get done and I know I'm going to be ready to talk about it. And I just, it's not that I couldn't work with a partner. I just, and I'm not a control freak. Although what I just said in the last 60 seconds sure sounds like it. Um, but I just like, I like knowing that I, I'm real meticulous in preparation. And so I know I'm going to be fully prepared for my show. There was always that thought, is the person I'm working with as prepared to do what I'm about to do? Yeah. Um, and that's, I don't know, I'm kind of weird that way. No, I, th- I don't think it's weird at all because that's one thing that I love about uh, your show is that when I turn it on at three o'clock or at six o'clock, you you lay out the whole show. 
You really do. You you and you even say it like I've set the table. Let's eat. You know, <laughs> and uh, and I love that because it it does show that you know. There's I I travel you know mm-hmm. and uh, and I've done a lot of radio stations in other cities, and I've seen people that just they just turn on the phone lines and what do you guys want to talk about you know and it's uh, it's I, refreshing I've, to you know to see someone who takes pride in it and and prepares the way that you do and thank I think you. it it shows in your thank you I I, I always looked at it as I mean anybody could sit down. They turn on the microphone and take calls for three hours. You, you could get a giraffe or a monkey at the zoo and sit <laughs> them down and they could tried take in the phone one day I did it. <laughs> for three hours. <laughs> is anybody listening? And, to and me? it's not. It, it's funny because it is. It's a lot harder than than people think. I remember uh, Casey had a two minute podcast he had to do for a class project a while back, and he was talking. He says, "Man, two minutes." Uh, I'm like, two minutes?" I said, "Try the." And I looked at him. I said, "Do you realize what I do every day?" And he, every day. he kind of the light went on. He's like. Oh, yeah, you do three hours every day. Um, but I try to, and from a preparation standpoint, I'm probably too overly structured from that standpoint. But I, I break it down. I don't do three hours. I do four segments an hour. I have basically four breaks. So I do four little shows, and then the next hour I do four more little shows. And I try to, I, I do try to structure it so there's a flow to the show. Now, I do like breaking news or a trade that happens in the middle of the show. And I like flying by the seat of my pants from that standpoint. But I want structure of knowing where I'm going. And so there is a, I don't like just bouncing Reds, Bengals, FC Cincinnati, back to Reds, over to the Bengals. Yeah. There'll be a play for each of those but I, I have it structured that there's a there's a method to the madness so to speak so, there's so many things I want to ask just about that answer uh, one <laughs> thing is it does feel like your show is broken into those segments if nothing else based on the way that you intro each hour I've always loved how you intro each hour of your show so uh, for those who don't know he takes uh, the audio from the show 24 yep and then he uses uh, he uses that audio at the beginning of the hour. So if it's three o'clock, it'll say. Can, can I do it? Can I do yeah, it? Please. The following takes place between six p.m. and seven p.m. And then we cut oh, to I got the chills. who. I got chills. Right. And then the who starts. And then the who starts. Yes, but don't forget about the few good men drop in. Oh, I know. That's, want, is that the oh, beginning of the show? Yeah, it's, it's only at the top. In, of the that's show. only at the top of yeah. the show. Yeah. You want answers? I want the truth. Ah, oh, great movie. Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise. Best movie of all time. I want answers. You want the you Oh, you. I was somewhere. I, I flip around the dial. It's one of the things where that's where you stop, and there's about a third of the way into it. That's it. This is the rest of my evening. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's the greatest movie ever yep. made, and I'll argue with anybody who says otherwise. Um, you know, it's funny because I get I get grief from the newsroom. They, they say, "What are you going to update your show open from that twenty? How when's the last time twenty four was on?" And I look at him. I say, "That is an iconic." line from 24 i said i am never scrapping it's that. so yeah. perfect but it does feel like it does feel like this is this, the next segment this hour is the next segment of the show there you go. and it also it's it's such a dumb little thing but it's something <laughs> i pick up on is it reaffirms that you're like when you hear it you're you realize like i'm listening to something that is live you know what i mean like that the one thing that I'd, I and and you're in the industry and and I'm I'm saying this as a blanket statement and maybe I shouldn't. I feel like the one thing that the radio station needs to remind people is you can't get what you do from a national broadcast or your iPhone, yeah. you know, like your iTunes library or anything like that. Like the one thing that you can't replicate is having someone local talking live about local things it's why it's why radio will always local radio will always survive um no matter what happens no matter where the trends go you're you're exactly right and i and i i don't say it as a cliche i have the best gig in the world because i'm talking about the teams that i grew up with yeah um i have no interest or desire to do a national radio show none i'm not saying that and not that anybody would want me I, i don't want to sound conceited from that standpoint but back in the day i would i did some national shows for what was called one on one sports one-on-one sports and it was was yeah peter i worked with peter brown at am 1000 as well um but there would be i i do nights where i'd take a call in tupelo mississippi and then osceola florida and then somewhere in missouri and they'd be talking about the 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 giants or the la clippers or the and it's like there was no rhyme or reason i honestly i didn't care 
Um, I, I think if I think one of the biggest things, hopefully, I have going for for me in this town is people know I'm genuinely invested because these are the teams I grew up with. They know that I'm a product of the Big Red Machine. 1975 and 1976, I was nine and ten years old. Those moments forever shaped me as a Reds fan. Um, I had my pa- face painted for the Freezer Bowl. Um, I was there for that. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I have an emotional investment in, in Chicago. Everybody, you know, Chicago is supposed to be like one of the. It is. It's one of the biggest markets in the world. I didn't like Chicago. It was big, but it was a lot of people and a lot of traffic. I don't like any of those. I really didn't care about the Cubs or the Blackhawks or the White Sox or the Bears. And at the end of the day, not that it showed, but I, I know if you were a Chicago person, you knew I didn't have that emotional investment. Right. Here, you you damn well know I'm emotionally invested in these right. teams. And I and I think that is something endearing about both you and Mo is that is, is that there is and you need that innocence and in no it. question you need that as a he's one of us no to question get people to unlike to, any other market I've lived in uh, from Indianapolis to Chicago to South Bend. Here, if you're one of ours, we we, we wrap our arms around you and and we'll protect you. Sometimes they eat you alive as the as the King Griffey Jr. Um, but it, it is. There's that level of uh, acceptance and at times a level of slack granted that he is one of our own. And, and they, the outsiders, I always joke there's like a moat around the city and we don't care much about what happens outside the moat. People say, why don't you talk more fill in the blank, NBA or other, and I'm like, it's outside the moat. People here, they like their Reds, they like their Bengals, they like UC, Xavier, FC, Cincinnati, and Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean that's that's one thing I've learned with Cincy shirts. I mean, that's why Cincy shirts exist is because when we launched, we didn't have all of these current, you know, themed items. The only one we had that you could even consider current was even God hates the Steelers. <laughs> but all of our biggest sellers were Zantigo and Johnny's Toys and the Uncle Al show. Yeah. And it's stuff that people outside of here wouldn't care about but if you're from here you have that nostalgia that you know that that feeling that gets uh, evoked when you see it and that's that's why our company exists right now yeah. is because of that type of pride that you're talking about for for your city and and the you know the west side is the west side they, <laughs> they don't leave the west side yep, yep. you know and uh, it's, What's the classic line? You ask people where they're from around here, and they answer their high school. They yeah. don't answer their college. Yeah, that's awesome. So we talked about your show intro at each hour, which I love. Uh, let's talk about your blog, because I feel like you've been a real trendsetter within your own. If, I, if I'm wrong, and, and maybe it's still the case today, at one point you had the highest viewed blog in all of Clear Channel countrywide. That sounds mostly accurate. I mean, that's yes. incredible. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. I, and look, I, I've always said I owe that to, uh, there's a guy in town, a good friend of mine, Dan Claskins, who runs uh, GetSportsInfo.com, and he's branched out and done a number of things. And 15, 16, 17 years ago, he taught me all this. He told me, he says, you should start blogging. He said, you should start creating fan forums for people to go in and, and talk about the show and talk about the, and I had no idea what I was doing. And he, I mean, this was before radio stations didn't have blogs. They didn't have podcasts. Yeah. Um, and, and he told me, he said, you should start doing this. It, it's an extension of your show. And I created that blog. It was real raw at the time, but I, I can tell you for 20 years, I've built and added to that, there are people today who tell me, I remember the very first blog you did. And for me, that's gold because it's another way for people to invest in my show. Look, we're, we're in a day and age where people, you can't expect people to just tune in at 6 o'clock and be done at 9 o'clock and come back the next day at 6 o'clock. I got to offer, I, I look at it as offering people ways to invest in my show. And that's a blog, and that's my Twitter, and that's my Facebook, and that's a podcast, and that's I can't say listen on my time. Listen on your time. If you can't catch up tonight, my blog is there for you. The podcast, I get people who tell me they listen to the show the next day at their lunch hour or on their morning run or they catch up over the weekend. And it just, that's the best thing I could ever hear because I have to be a provider of of multiple platforms of what I do. Otherwise, I become a dinosaur and I become extinct. And there's a lot of people in this business 
who 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 don't know how to log into their station's blog, who eventually will be out of the business because they're no longer providing a value to the station. My my station knows through twenty years, my station can sell my blog and make money. Let's be honest. I have sponsorship. I have. God bless them. They've, <laughs> They've been, been on, on board forever. I know they were they were on board when we got on board with Mo and Greg because you had one eight hundred got junk in place. Yeah. and and every day that I hear you plug them, I remember. That when I started this company with Darren, yep. and we tried to get on, it was like, nope, one eight hundred got junks, got that, and they it's, still do. It's gold to me that that connection and that I have to make myself. The reality is, I have to make myself as valuable as I can to my employer because their staffs are cut back, budgets are cut, and I've always told anybody who's ever called me, uh, high school, college, and said what advice, and I say. Do as many things as you can. Make yourself valuable because they will hire the person who can do 10 things pretty well before they hire the person who is excellent at one or two things because they need bang for their buck. And I hope in a perfect world, I've learned enough and become versatile enough to give my employer a bang for the buck. I, I can do multiple things yeah. for them. I have to be able to do that. Well, I think, too, that you had the foresight to create a blog that complements your show versus just another exactly. place. Exactly. It has to be an extension. Just random yes. content. Because, you know, we try to do that with the blog for this podcast is things that we talk about in this podcast. We can tell people, go to the blog and, you know, um, hear the audio clip that we're referencing or the, yeah. the video or see the picture that the guests brought in. You know, and we it, it helps paint that picture even better that of what we're trying to do here on the podcast. I have to make it, I have to weave it all together. And, and people will say, well, it's a lot of work. But I'm doing what I'm doing. It's all for the same thing. When I'm doing my blog, I'm working on my show. Um, when I'm tweeting, I'm working on the show. When I'm posting on Facebook, so it all it all folds into one thing, and I'm able to play off of it throughout the show. What I'll tell you right now, I know exactly the topics I'm talking about tonight, and they're posted on my blog. So I'm going to be able to mention that throughout the show tonight. I'm going to be tweeting about what's coming up. I've written about it on the blog, and I'm going to talk about it on the show. So it all all the arrows eventually work back to the same spot in the perfect world so twitter you're following you on twitter is one of my favorite things because you've you've done also what you just talked about you've also done the opposite you've taken what happens on social media and the blog and bring them back into the show versus just making them an extension of the show and you know uh tweets i got is one of my favorite things that you do it is such a cesspool uh sometimes and i can't imagine for you with the opinions of the faceless people out there who you know can say whatever they want but you kind of have to weed through that minefield of trying to address yeah. legitimate questions or concerns or comments and then ignoring the people who are being absolutely ridiculous but it's got to be exhausting for you on a daily basis you know i mean dylan floro gets traded yesterday <laughs> and people are acting like yes it's the end of the world. Yes, that the Reds have traded a core player <laughs> and he was related to him and it's not fair. Yeah. So, I mean, what is it like for you on days like that or when something actual, actually worthy of that type of news happens? Is it, it harder or easier? It's gold for me. I mean, I, I don't take lightly the fact that I had, there's, I don't know, 60, I think 62,000 something followers on Twitter, which to me are, that's a great opportunity for crowdsourcing during my show and outside my show and promoting my show. Um, if I can ha if I can tell him in a tweet that um, Joey Votto is coming up next, let's be honest. If it's one person who goes to the radio or a thousand, that helps me just in a simple tweet. But the reaction of the back and forth and the the ability to kind of put my finger on the pulse of what people are feeling. The Dylan Flora was perfect yesterday as an example. The tweets I got. Simple concept. As a Bengals game is unfolding, I want people to tweet me with their reaction. And the beauty of it is, the way Twitter is, there's it's instant. Nobody wants to think or plot things out in Twitter. They just instantly react. So the Bengals may be losing, then they may be winning, then they may be losing. 
losing again and to watch the Twitter roller coaster of they suck, they're great, they suck, fire him, trade him, <laughs> sign him in the course of three hours. It's just beautiful. It is beautiful. And, and it's material for my show because I, and it's not that I, I sometimes I make fun of it, but it's it's material because it's it's raw reaction and sports is, is raw reaction. It's about emotion. And I've always said if, if I'm not excited about what I'm talking about, why would anybody be excited to listen to me? And people say, man, you get so worked up. And I say, well, of course I'm worked up. I'm talking about something I really am passionate about. And when I get people passionate, it's it's gold for what I do. But in fairness, I think that you're also very good at pretending to care about stuff that you may not care about. And I say that with all due respect because I hear some of these people call in and they are rambling and they have no point. And I hear and I just hear you you have these little interjections where you're like, Ooh. Uh-huh. That's right. And I'm like, that I know that there's no way he feels that way sometimes, but you do such a good job of of making people believe it. Is that is that something that you had to work on? Was quote unquote faking excitement about certain things just to get people to 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 want to listen to it? No, I I, I try. I, I think for the most part, I don't do that. But there are moments you have to take something. You you can take it and twist it a little bit with with my reaction to it, or <laughs> it, maybe I'll amp it up a little bit and run with it. I, I'll certainly do that because there there's just. I always say my show is like a box of chocolates. I never know what I'm going to get when I go to the phones. And sometimes there's some doozies. Oh, and I mean, like, I, I sit back and I say, oh, yeah, this is going to cover the next. here." And I, I look at the phones in real time, start lighting up, and I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, here we go. Hang on. So th- that's the fun of it. I And uh, sometimes I get worked up, and I just it's just so, I shouldn't say this, it's just such an idiotic comment sometimes that I have to yell at him. But you I do. try not to because... <laughs> I, I remember what it was like when I was calling Trumpy when he would hang up on me. So I, I try to give people I, – I do it this way. I try to give people enough rope that they've created their own pro- – That I, I, if I give them enough rope, then I think everybody sees this guy has no idea what he's talking about. I don't want to I don't want to cut them off yes. or interject. Yes. I don't want to, like, say they're an idiot. I just want to let them keep going, keep going, keep going, and then I can tell – Everybody realizes this guy has no idea what he's talking about. It's so great because that is exactly how I handle hecklers on stage. That is exactly, you know, people, young comics will say, how do you handle hecklers? And I say, my tool is to not try to come up with the perfect comeback off the first thing they say. I let if I let them talk enough, they will dig themselves into a hole or give me a chance to come with the haymaker. Because if I miss on that first try, then it sounds like the heckler got the best yes. of me. But I know 99.9% yep. of the time, if I let them talk enough, everybody will be – they can't wait to hear what my response is going to be Yeah, because they're on my side. And, and to me, one, one thing I like – I'm going to tread lightly here. I, I don't like when everybody agrees with me all the time. And I'm not. I'm going to sound conceited, but I wouldn't be saying it if I didn't think I was right. I, I've done enough show prep to get ready to make the points I'm making that I believe I'm right. I think I'm right. If yeah. I otherwise, I'd be saying something different. I like when people come at me and challenge me because it's it's a it's an opportunity to show my work. It's it's like the school said, show show how you did, show show your yeah. work. I like showing my work, and when somebody comes at me on a point. I like, again, letting them get out there enough and then rebutting one by one what they say, not in a mean way, but if I've done enough prep, and I I think I have most days, I can pick off each of the points they're trying to make, and I think people say, I like it when they say, damn, McAllister got him. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not in a mean way, it's just... Boom, boom, boom. I've just taken down each of those points. That's a lot more interesting and engaging to me than somebody saying, oh, I completely agree with you. And not to be mean, but I'm like, well, why are you calling me if you agree with me? I, I, want, I want the people who – I want to learn something. And, and, and I mean this as well. There, I, I like the moment where they say something that causes me to stop. And I've said this. I say, you know what? You're right. I didn't even think about that. That's a better point than I just made. I love that. That's great. I mean, hell, I'll steal that point and use it the next show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, one of the things, like, you know, uh, say what you want about Colin Cowherd, but oh, he love infuriated him. me yes. for the longest time because I felt like, and, and, and I don't think I gave him a fair chance, I felt like he was being a contrarian. I felt like he was making a point 
for the sake of radio. But then if people would challenge him on it, he'd he'd give backup. You know, he'd say like, "This is why I feel that way." And and then and then a lot of times he would flip it on them and. Yeah, I, I think he is incredibly smart and, and gifted. Um, I, I, mar- I don't listen to much national radio, but I marvel at his ability to present a topic. I don't always agree with him. That's why That's why I like him. I, I know this. Every time I listen to him, he makes me think. Yeah. And, I'm, and I may just, I may sometimes pound my desk or say, come on, yeah. but, but I'm always doing something. And I just, I, I, I marvel at Colin Coward. Yeah. My, you know, the other one that I like now, national, is is Dan Levitard because I feel like he does a parody of bad sports radio. And, um, I don't know how the rest of the industry feels about his show, but there does seem to be a fine line of adding enough entertainment to the X's and O's to, to, you know, to not lose the casual sports fan. Is that something that you you think about? I have to be better at that. I'm uh, I I think most people, when they think of me, hopefully at some point in that early thought process, uh, Lance McAllister, what do you think? They're going to say stats and and numbers. And I'm always leery of it. Can't be all of that there. I, I have to have more fun. I have to remind myself, have more fun sometimes. Uh, because in, uh, numbers are just numbers. Stats are, are, are just stats, and they don't always translate on the radio. I like to use them to back up my points, but I have to have fun because it is – I'm not doing brain surgery. I'm not I'm not digging ditches. I, I'm not working on a case or trying to, to solve a cure for something. I'm talking sports, and and you win or you lose, and you, you play the game the next day, and I, I have to remember that, and I, I sometimes I lose sight of that. But in fairness to you, I think you do a good job of that. You know, I love when you post the – you know, who are the four faces of Mount Rushmore in Cincinnati sports? Like or, you know, if you could if you could pick between the Bearcats winning a national championship or the Reds winning a World Series or the Bengals winning the Super Bowl, which one do you pick? And yeah. I love See, when I, you do stuff like that. Or tell me stories about baseball cards when you were a kid. That, that, thank you. That, that, that's that's that what I that, that's the best part of the show for me. I like being creative. People talk about especially with the All Star game coming up, that's a week of nothing going on. And that's always like the graveyard for talk radio. And I say, no, that's a chance, that's a whole week to get creative and do stuff that engages people that they haven't thought of. You know, something silly like tonight, today is the the anniversary. It was this date it's the anniversary of Paul O'Neill kicking the baseball kicking the in the baseball, outfield. Yeah. So I'm going to use that as a as a topic tied to the wild and wacky things that have happened in Cincinnati sports, from Sam White grabbing a microphone in the middle of a game. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in, and it's that I like things that immediately cause people's memories to rush to the front and yeah. say, where I want to talk I? about that. Yeah. I know where I was. I know what it meant to me and my dad or me and yes. my mom. And, and that, to me, I, most nights when I get done with the show, I'll call my mom on the way home. And she likes those topics the best. She'll say, that uh, that old lady who called from Anderson, that was the <laughs> nicest story she told. Like, that was she, you, Mom. She, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she likes those stories. And that's where the creativity comes in of drawing people in based on their memories. Yeah. It's so funny because there are specifically Cincinnati sports memories that I have tied. Like, like I'll never forget Pete's record-breaking hit. I was... In the bathtub, eight years old, he was coming to the plate. My dad snatched me out of the bathtub, wrapped a robe around me, and sat me in front of the TV just in case, and he got the hit. And I'll never forget how, like today, like being so appreciative of my dad having the foresight of this is something that one day you'll remember where you were when it happened. I love that, man. And and again, I think that goes back to the, the nostalgia that this city feels about sports and businesses and everything is they they love when that emotion comes out that's tied to you know really good memories in their life that's really cool that you get to be a part of creating that or at least helping it live on i love the uh the challenge day to day yeah so when you have a topic that comes in at the last minute or the night before where you say well there goes my show for tomorrow because we're going to be talking about this do you like that or I um, just once in a while. Yeah, once in a while because I get uh, honestly I get uncomfortable with the new stuff because I want to do it justice. I, I don't like I don't like go I don't like the people who just go on the air and and say stuff off the cuff without any research background phone calls made. Um, so it makes it tougher when it's on the fly breaking stuff because I'm I'm like I'm flying by the seat of my pants and I kind of like that I'm on a like on a tightrope. But I want to do it justice that I don't expose myself and leave something there that is factual that I left out. I left a fact out, if that makes any sense. I, I like 
I like making my calls in the morning, whatever topics I'm talking about. Um, I like making my calls to people who know about those topics and kind of looking at all areas of it to f- make sure I'm not missing anything. So I'm shortened of that chance when it's when it's happening. Boom. Um, but I do like that adrenaline rush of the Reds just did what? This is yeah. awesome. So to me, when I listen to the sports radio, the thing that fascinates me, and maybe it was maybe it's because I didn't listen to it as much when I was younger. But I never remember so many sports being talked about out of their season as they are now. Like, it seems like every day the Bengals are such a huge part of the conversation every day. And we're in right now we're in July and it's I'm sure you'll have some Bengals talk on your show today. Is has, has that legitimately changed based on the popularity of the NFL or just. I mean, I don't know. Like, I just don't remember ever hearing about the Bengals when the Reds were in season and the Bengals weren't. Yeah, it, it has changed. Um, the NFL specifically has become 365, and, and even the NBA now with the offseason and all that comes with it. And I think part of it is that there, there's so much now in this day and age that there's free agency and player movement, and it creates new topics, and contracts are such a big deal that they weren't when, when we were growing up as much. And, and look, so many people play fantasy sports, they think they know how to run a team now. So they, <laughs> yeah. when they hear these moves happening, they have thoughts on those moves and what I would have done, and I, he's not worth that, or they should have given him this. And I, I think it does create a, 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 like the hamster wheel. It just keeps spinning. There, there is no downtime because there's always the off season of that sport rolling over into the in season of, of the next sport. And that's, for me, that's fine because uh, it, it, it never ends. Away from sports radio, um, the other thing that I've really enjoyed about listening to you on the radio is how much you talk about your family and the things that you've been through off the air with yourself and your son and everything. Is, was that a conscious decision that you had to make about, you know, uh, like what happened with you and with Casey? Was that a talk you have to have with your family of can I bring this on the air? You know, I always, even even prior to, to getting married, I... I don't know if I, I just this came natural or if somebody I don't remember if somebody said specifically you have to do it but to me I can't just be a voice on the radio I have to be somebody that people can relate to and connect to and the only way they can do that is if they know me and that involves knowing what I like off the radio if I'm married if I have kids if I have pets if I go on vacation if I went to this last night or experienced this last night or th- they have to know and I, and I, I think in, in 20 years in this city people know I, it's it's weird what people remember about me that's beyond the radio because I have it's the it's a classic guy sitting at the at the bar at the corner bar talking to a guy about the game I have to be relatable from that standpoint and I have to reveal myself to people. And when when it came to Casey's diagnosis with leukemia, I couldn't shut down at that point. Um, I won- I was off the air for two weeks after his initial diagnosis, and, and I, I wondered if I'd be able to go back on the air and do this with the passion I had before because my life had changed, because my son was in the hospital with, with leukemia. And I wasn't sure if I'd have the same passion or be able to get excited about something as trivial, air quotes, as sports based on what uh, my son was going through. But I also knew they know me and I can't walk up to this line and then shut everything down. And for me, it almost be not almost it did become therapeutic in that every day I was on the air while Casey was going through his bone marrow transplant and everything else. My audience was there for me, and they became my sounding board. And I, I'm getting chills as well, I say it. It's, I it's it, emotional man. for yeah. me because they were there for me. And, and my wife has even said she would spend days in the hospital, and I would spend the nights in the hospital. And she always really appreciated the fact that my audience was there for me when she could, when we couldn't talk to each other yeah. because we traded shifts throughout the day. My audience was there to call and say, you know, thoughts and prayers to your son or or were you thinking about your son? Or I would tell them about a test that he went through that day or a funny moment that day. And I was, they were like therapists to me and and I will never, um, I'll never, um, look past that or or never stop appreciating what my audience meant from that standpoint. They were there in, in the, the single most Mm -hmm. difficult time of my life. Yeah. I went through the same thing when my dad passed. Mm. People would come up to me after shows and tell me they hadn't been out in months because, you know, they had a a job that they hated or, you know, somebody passed away or they're going through a divorce and they'd say, you know, 
thank you for being, being that for me tonight. And I felt the same way, you know, when my dad passed away of like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, there's parts of my act where I talk about him. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about him in the past or the present. You know what I mean? But I learned that the comedy club environment, the laughter is, is kind of infectious. And yes. for a long time, I felt like I was providing that to people, you know, in a weird way. But it, it affected me, too. And it was, albeit temporary, release sure. from sure. getting my head out of a, of a place of just pure sadness all the time. Yeah. And feeling sorry for myself and my family. Like, it, it helped me the way that, you know, people had told me in the past that it helped them. And, and I totally, 100% get what you're saying. I, I've got a stack of emails, um, I, 500 emails I printed out from back in that time. And they, they stay in my desk. And every once in a while, I pull out the drawer and I look. And I always look at the name on the email. And there are names I still recognize 18 years later who emailed back then. And I'll get people today who say, you know, when I talk about Casey graduating, they'll say, I remember when he went to kindergarten. Or I remember when he went to got on the bus for the first time. And it's like... That it gives me chills because that's the connection uh, that my of my life to my job to my audience that they feel as though they've grown up with Casey and um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that's why they feel like they know you. You know what I mean? Is because you put yourself out there and they listen to you. It's a weird thing, but they listen to you every day and they feel like they know you. And yeah. They, when you know, and I I see it all the time. You know, like if I'm ever with Marty or somebody like that, same thing with him and Joe. You know, they people got to know them yep. beyond just calling a baseball game because of how much interaction they had and stories mm -hmm. they told and commercials they did together. And, you know, I see it all the time. You know, somebody will say to Marty, like, I, I met you the one time, you know, like – like he's going to remember that, yeah. you know, and I think that Kroger it's on a Saturday morning yeah. at Anderson, you were in the, the frozen food <laughs> section. Yeah. You were so nice. And he's so good about, Oh yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I do think that comes with putting yourself out there and your personal life out there that people, they feel like they know yeah. you and they're friends with you. I think that speaks a lot. And then finally about, about what happened with you and the, and the pacemaker, you were, you were gone for 60 seconds, right? Is that, I, is that uh, still – did you say that was yes. a record? According to my cardiologist among his patients, I, uh, I've always been a fainter. I, I don't like I don't like blood. I, I, even watching TV shows, my, I cover my eyes. <laughs> I, I can't watch this. But I had um, I had been feeling some chest pains uh, one day, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the emergency room. I said I don't want to risk this, and I'll never forget because I'm sitting in the emergency room preparing for the Kentucky North Carolina game that night. I'm jotting down notes for the game that night because it was the big Kentucky North Carolina, and, and they take me back, and, and I said, yeah, I've got some discomfort in the upper right area of my chest, and they put me on the table, uh, the exam table. And the next thing I know, I can tell I'm I'm going to faint, and and I fainted. And when I came to, I looked up and it was that classic looking into the lights and there were like 10 nurses and doctors looking down over top of me. And they said, are you all right? And I said, what just happened? And they said, you fainted and your heart stopped for 60 seconds. And I oh. said, come on, get out of here. And I'll never forget the nurse leaning over to the machine, you know, with the heart rate, they yeah. do, do, do the, the squiggly line and she ripped it off the machine and she pulled it um, from end to end. And there was a flat line for exactly <sighs> 60 seconds. I said, was that me? And, and so they told, I didn't have a cardiologist at that point, but they told one and, and he always joked, he was like uh, Dr. House on the TV show, real intrigued with fascinating uh, the cases. And he said, you're my patient now. He says, you would hold my record. I've never had a patient flatline for 60 seconds and come back on their own. And it was no like paddles, like clear. It was just, I woke up and my, like, what happened? And so he said, uh, you, you've, your heart has probably stopped on occasions in the past when you fainted. Let's just put it in a pacemaker and not have to worry about it if you're driving or out by yourself. And I've had it for almost 10 years. I haven't fainted since, and I'm due for a new battery in about a year. I, I've always uh, accused the Bengals and Reds of of lowering the <laughs> battery life of that pacemaker by their performance. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. What a story. Wow. Okay, so at the end of our episodes, we like to let our guests pick a word yes. that means something to them uh, personally or professionally, and this word will be used as a promo code to save 20% until the next episode airs. So what would that word be for a little You know what? Uh, since we were just talking about him and people know him through me, let's just go with Casey. Casey. Yeah. C-A-S-E-Y. Named guess. after... Sean Casey, the there mayor, Red's All first right. baseman. Yes, so if you're buying online, you can enter the promo code CASEY 
and save 20%. That'll be good until the next episode airs. Or if you want to stop into one of our stores and say, hey, I'd like to use uh, the word Casey to save 20%. Wow. We'll honor it in store as well. Lance, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Uh, tell everybody all the ways that they can follow you and stay up uh, to, to everything awesome. Let's see. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Lance McAllister. Uh, I've got a Facebook page, at Lance McAllister Sports Talk. And I've got a blog at uh, 700WLW.com. That includes a podcast if you, miss, if you happen to miss the show. Yeah. So uh, please support him in, in all of his uh, endeavors. He really is the best in the business. We're lucky to have him. We're lucky to call him a friend of the company and a, and a friend of mine. And thank you again for being here, Lance. You are very kind. This was a blast. I appreciate the invitation and um, I've appreciated our friendship over the years. And uh, this was a lot easier. I was There was parts of me dreading this on the way here. Oh. I said, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to regret it. You can always fix it. <laughs> post. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Cincy Shirts Podcast. All we hear is Radio Gaga, Radio Gaga, Radio Gaga. All we hear is Radio Gaga, Radio Gaga. Lance McAllister from ESPN 1530 here in Cincinnati and sometimes from WLW. If you haven't already, go back and cherry-pick the Cincy Shirts archives. Mo Egger, Cash Wright, Mike Mathis, and Johnny Bench have all been in if you uh, enjoy the sports. But uh, really, all the episodes are great. Haunted Cincinnati has been very popular. Abandoned Cincinnati, very popular. Frank Marzullo, Randy Rico, just go back and listen to them all. Okay, so the special announcement that we have is that we are going to be at the Brouhaha Comedy Festival this Saturday. I know we like to keep these things evergreen, so if you're listening to this after August 25th, you can just skip past this. But anyway, we're going to be at the Brouhaha Comedy Festival this Saturday, August 25th. It's America's biggest comedy and beer festival. Now, we're going to be at Beer Booth Stage Number 9, or Beer Booth Number 9 Stage, whichever way. Yeah, I think it's Beer Booth Number 9 Stage, officially, at 4.30 Saturday afternoon. It's going to be, hopefully, uh, Darren and Josh, hopefully, will both be there hosting the show. And we're going to talk to some other comedians that work for Cincy Shirts, mostly Billy DeVore and Chris Ware, and uh, anyone else we can round up talking about, uh, well, talking about the comedy festival, uh, you know, comedy in our city, Cincinnati, and in the region as well. So that's uh, that's going to be a fun chat, I believe. There'll also be a lot of beer talk, too. Billy and Chris both know their beers. So uh, stop by and see us. Uh, you can be in the audience. Uh, maybe we'll even take questions. Who knows? All right. So getting back to the uh, to this podcast and the uh, and the discount codes and all that. Well, first of all, let me remind that today's show is produced by me. With help from Josh and Darren, our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They're from Philadelphia. Find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. And uh, thanks to those guys for letting us use that too. Well, those guys and gal for letting us use their tune for our theme music. Find vintage tees from great cities like Cincinnati, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We're also adding new designs all the time, so check back often. In case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is Casey, and you can use that to take 20% off your entire order at CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com. You can also use it in-store at Cincy Shirts, and of course, our locations are in Over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and now Loveland. All right, so do come in and say hi, and, and, and be sure to use the promo code. Follow all our social channels. That'd be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. In the meantime, tell all your friends about the show. Give us a good review uh, wherever you get the podcast from. And other than that, download or stream us next time. Bye.
Wish I said goodbye.